This is Mike Deutsch, and you're listening to UND Football 360. Schuster's cool is clutch in clinching a playoff spot. This week, a big sky hornet's nest buzzes into the Alaris Center. It's Hawks versus Hornets in the first round of the playoffs, and this is UND Football 360. This is UND Football 360, Shannon Schweigert, former Fighting Sioux All-American, Kelly Howe, Matt Nelson will join us in segment two. And Kelly Howe, the fans wait all year. We've made them wait. We've made them wait. It's playoff season. Let her rip. Playoffs? <laughs> you're damn right it's playoffs, Shannon. Never gets yep. old. And you're damn right it's playoffs. Never. They earned it. Excited. I, it's different this year. Like last year, last year they took the air out of us when they when they you know when they hosed us on the um Weber State, Weber State deal. Yeah, so we weren't Weber. at home and it kinda took the air out of the week and everyone was just, well, I guess we got in. Great. Kinda had to build up the momentum. It seemed like the momentum was from the moment it was announced, it was like peak. Everyone's just fired up immediately right now. Yeah, I got you. And, you know, the excitement is, I mean, we we are still excited from what we saw in that fourth quarter drive. The Hawks made us wait till 25 seconds left in the season. And then some till uh, we had a one-second play. I don't know who's keeping the clock at the Alaris Jeez. Center, but we're at home. Um, I've seen that wow. before uh, in, a, in a home game, but – that should have been 0-0, zero, zero, in when. my opinion. We're homers. so yeah, Right. Uh, but right down to the final play, the laterals failed, and, you know, we're going to review that for you folks because uh, coming up shortly is the Kelly Howe Agency NODAC Mutual Insurance Rewind. Before we do that, um, we're going to thank our sponsors, and following that, we're going to throw out kudos to the man who introduced the show today, Mike Deutsch. There is a playoff connection to Mike Deutsch as well. UND Football 360 is brought to you by Rumors Sports Bar, Grill, and Casino. And Billy and the boys have already announced they're open early Saturday. So get out there before you uh, head to the Alaris Center. It's also brought to you by Development Homes Incorporated, Thunder Lake Lodge of Reamer, Minnesota, the Kelly Howe Agency of Nodak Mutual Insurance, Interstate Industrial, and the Toasted Frog. So Kelly, Mike Deutsch introduces us and everybody's probably wondering why well we're going back to 1972 December 9th 1972 to be correct the 1972 Camellia Bowl at that time no national playoffs there were four regional playoffs University of North Dakota Fighting Sioux go to the Camellia Bowl they take on Cal Poly they defeat Cal Poly 38 to 21 so that's as that's as good as it gets back in the day before the national playoffs Mike Deutsch was the MVP of that uh, Fighting Sioux victory. 41 carries, Kelly. There we go. That's a season (laughs) today. 41 carries, 119 yards, and a touchdown. That guy was tough as nails. They were just built different back then. Well, it was mentality. Like, that was just – that was normal. So that was your mentality. And that's what – you know, it's kind of – you hear a lot about, well, why don't they do that now? Why don't these kids do this now? Why don't they do that? Or NBA, why don't they play every night? Well, the mentality just changed to where now you don't have to. Now we built in a break. Now we do this. Now we throw. You know what I mean? Everything's just different so that they're not prepared mentally for 41 carries anymore so they don't do it. 
or you know they it might start to break down their body whatever right. well Mike back then Mike Deutsch well even hey Philip Moore our guy what was that 46 what was the Mankato 40, 40? 44 is what I remember I think yeah mid 40s for man for Philip versus Mankato now he just knew he was our guy and there was a mentality you're our guy and you're not coming out and so he had to kind of gear up and say all right you know I'm just gonna get hit 45 times in this game so, yeah, it's just – that's crazy to see those numbers. Well, and we believe in Juju here at UND Football 360, so we are channeling our inner Mike Deutsch this weekend because it's going to take that type of an effort against this Sac State Hornet team coming in. So, Kelly, uh, first thing we're going to do is rewind UND's 22-21 um, victory. Before we do that, <clears throat> we are going to thank you and the Kelly Howe Agency of Nodak Mutual Insurance because this is the Kelly Howe Agency Nodak Mutual Insurance Rewind. Kelly, it's getting to be slippery season. Um, We've already seen some ice. And if there's anything we can remind drivers in our metro, in North Dakota, in western Minnesota, it's that, hey, you better have your insurance coverage up to date when slippery season starts. Have your insurance ready. Slow down. Check the air in your tires. Don't follow too close. I, I went about three years ago. I slid right into somebody. My fault. I was calling too close. We hit ice. All of a sudden, someone turned left, you know, in front of them. So it's just a domino effect. Yep, it's getting to be that season. Everyone slow down, back up, and trust. But with the way the insurance world is right now, you want to slow down. Okay, you don't want to be, you don't, because they're looking, claims are a bad deal. It's tough. It's tough right now in the the insurance world, and you just got to kind of take care of yourself, be safe. You know, Kelly, when I get to roundabouts, um, when roundabouts came in, um, to the Fargo-Moorhead, West Fargo Metro. I hated them. I love them now. It's the best yep. way to move traffic. But one thing that I see in roundabouts, I see fiberglass fenders. I see <laughs> taillights. I see folks. Um, first of all, everybody, please go look up how to drive through a roundabout. You <laughs> yield to the driver in the roundabout. You do not yield going into the roundabout if it's empty. I have seen so many fender benders because people don't know how to use them. And I know there's a lot of people coming in to town um, from areas that don't uh, regularly deal with it. But I see so yield many. Yield to your left. Yield to your yeah, left. It's not yield to your right. You know what That's I mean? Right. It's, not, it's yield to your left. I, my, my son just got his license in October, and we, we drove around town before that, you know, obviously practicing. And we, we hit many roundabouts, and I as soon as we got, you know, within 100 feet, I started telling them what to look for. Okay, let's analyze this. What's happening? What's happening? You know, look left. You just look left. You don't care what's going on to your right. You care what's going on to your left. You know what I mean? And so he started to figure it out, and it it works. They work well as long as everybody gets used to them, as long and as we everybody. all understand the rules. And your son oh. goes to Shanley, so on 25th Street, he Correct. goes he goes through the roundabouts. Well, let's, let's get into that 22 22- 21 nail biter and the first thing i want to say is the legend of tommy schuster continues to grow someday folks we are going to look back on this young man and talk about some of his heroics down the stretch some of the things that he did some of the sidesteps some of the throws that were fingertip throws uh, that final drive kelly you know when it started with 4.53 left and the Hawks are down, I know the air had kind of come out of the facility, but then number two jogs out, and you do have some confidence saying, here comes a Tommy Schuster drive. Senior. 
Yep, senior. It's nice running him out there. He's he's done this before, and it's it's one of those situations where you know even when you look in the NFL, you see the veteran quarterback. He might not play that great all game. He might miss some throws or might hit a couple here or there, but just spotty, right? But then all of a sudden at the end of the game, he knows this is the last drive and things get dialed in. It, it was a I, – I put a masterpiece. I don't know if it was quite a – it was pretty close, though. It was clinical, 11 plays, 76 yards, took 428 off, Shannon, of that 453 right. you mentioned. So only 25 seconds left. They probably could have even taken more if they wanted to, but then Zebarth plowed in at the end. But, um, yeah, it was a mix. What the, the key to that drive, in my opinion, was Tommy running. Those two runs, seven yards and 11 yards, I believe, yep. is, is what they, those two runs extended the drive. The second run got him down to the one-yard line. One yard he, line. <laughs> geez, he, yeah, it was. Ooh, I was like, get down. Don't twist. That don't, ball oh. moved. Yeah, I that watched ball the moved. replay. Oh, the ball God. moved. And Tommy said it after the game. He yep. said, I just wanted to get down and hang yes. on to the ball. The ball did move. Yep. Um, you, you know, you, you talk about those NFL quarterbacks, um, and sometimes in the NFL they score too fast because the other offense gets the ball and they get into yep. field goal range. And with the failed two-point conversion following the Zebarth touchdown, there was an opportunity for Illinois State to get in there. Now, they had a lot of trouble with their kicking game. By the way, um, when you talk about clutch plays, Siegel and, help me out, Navertil, Navertil yep. Josh Navertil, on the block um, was clutch as well on the extra point, which kept it um, – you know, which which kept it a one-point North okay. Dakota lead earlier. Um, but when, when we get back to that scoring drive, like you had said, one of the keys about that drive was that they scored with 25 seconds left. I, w- I rewatched the game to see if Illinois State allowed Gavin to go in, but I don't think so. I think they were trying to keep us out of the end zone. They weren't, they weren't doing the old, you know, Florida fall right, <laughs> and, yeah. and let them in. Um, but once again, with 25 seconds left, um, the defense holds, and the Hawks get into the playoffs. Now, one, one thing is, um, that was a quality opponent that North Dakota played last week. We said it in the preview show, and we saw it in the Alaris Center last week. There were 23 in the Massey ratings for a reason. Right. Yeah, a good, solid team. They came in with 6-4, and four, just like us, playing for the playoffs. And they always look good. They're, you know, they always have a solid defense. Offense usually is pedestrian, but that wasn't – I mean, they were taking chances. They put up four 400 yards against us, and quarterback Tommy Rittenhouse, I will, I will take this to my grave. If Rittenhouse isn't playing, we win more – we win comfortably. If Anikstead's playing, we're in a better situation. He's he doesn't run. He doesn't run. He doesn't uh, scramble yeah. as easy, you know, as easy as – Rittenhouse is – quick which we're going to we're going to talk about in this week's preview because we're going to face a dual threat quarterback um the name escapes me right now but uh the tight end um we might see him on sunday kelly yeah was that uh grandy yeah cam grandy that guy's good that might be a sunday guy big kid big kid uh good hands um you know when you looked at that sideline uh catch that he made um and again that's kind of been illinois state's mo um, when they've come in in the past, big, strong tight ends and receivers. Yeah, and then they had that tall, they had tall receiver out there on the outside too. Uh, Sobkowitz got hurt though. That helped UND quite a bit. He was our leading receiver, and right away he got hurt. Yeah, and he I, went down early. I saw him on the bike. You know, it wasn't. 
wasn't going well on the stationary bike, so that's when they shut him down, I think. But when offensive lineman number 54 got hurt, that hurt us because he was helping us. I think he was penalized four times. <laughs> yeah, they struggled early, they didn't struggled. they? They struggled, and it was not <clears throat> your usual. You know, sometimes teams come into the Alara Center, it's loud, and they can't hear. You know, we heard that yep. from Cam Miller with the Bison. He said, we can't hear in this place. Um, it wasn't that loud, but they were they were jumping off sides, and they got a couple of personal fouls um, early. <clears throat> at critical times that put them behind um, behind the, the sticks a little bit. But, you know, overall, Kelly, when you take a look at this game, the return, um, it was a second week back, uh, Gavin Zebart, but the, but the return of Zebart, 78 yards, and they were critical 78 yards. There were times when we needed it. Power, power running inside. Um. I've said this before, but when he gets running inside, he's this year's Tyler Hoosman. Okay, when he gets running inside, the whole offense comes alive. The defense sees it on the sideline. They get juiced up. They're ready to go. All of a sudden, special teams is looking better. They make a play, and I don't. It's this the inside running for UND is just an igniter. It just turns the whole program on. It, it does, and they get going. And then when they can't, it's like. Everyone looks around and doesn't know what to do. It's kind of an odd thing. You know, I mean, I understand the concept. And even the fans. The fans, I think, realize, hey, we're plowing these guys on the inside. They don't have a – they can't stop us. And, you know, in your mentality when you know an opponent can't stop you, well, the fans treat them as their – the fans' opponent, too. Right. They can't stop us. Yes, and then they get a little juiced up and stuff. And, yeah, it's – I mean, the whole building's excited. And that's – this week, once we get to the preview, that's going to be a big part of this week, too. I watched Kate yeah. Borud, um, particularly on the Luke Skokna series. Um, four carries for Luke, 26 yards, but again, a spark. Mm-hmm. And Luke's a little dinged up. Uh, you could see that. We don't exactly know the nature uh, of his injury, but his four carries, you, you talk about that, too. They they were um, they were clutch. There were a couple of first downs uh, with Luke. Runs hard, gets every bit. Uh, of energy and pound out of uh, out of his frame. Isaiah Smith, 12 carries for 47 yards. Yeah. I watched Cade Borud, and, and that's really where that inside run game starts. Got to start with the center and Cade Borud. Um, we also had an excellent game downfield. Donnie Ventrelli, you talk about controlling your block downfield. Seth Anderson and Donnie Ventrelli were downfield all day. Right. <laughs> yeah, they had they had a nice day up front. UND's a better run blocking team than pass blocking team. I mean that's typical. I mean that's not breaking news or anything. Most offensive lines are because because it's easier, it's your mentality, it's hat on hat, pushing people versus having to do so many things against dynamic guys in space, right? So but UND's really good at run blocking on the inside. And yeah, you, those guys they get in you know you get that with a four down look or something, you know, all of a sudden that center forward, he just has to do a chip, help out his guard. And then he gets out onto that backer. And that's when things bing, bang, boom, you know, they start taking place. Now I was getting the fullbacks, fullbacks inserting themselves in there. Once they're hitting their blocks, that's when things really get rolling. Well, Ashby, Minnesota's uh, Jaden Norby, uh, again, oh, yeah. another solid, solid performance. We probably buried the lead because, Bo Belquist was back with a vengeance. Eight catches, 72 yards, including a toe drag that I'm glad they didn't look at it too long. Right. Um, it was close. It yeah. was close. It, it was called a catch on the field, which makes a difference. Yeah. 
Um, I don't think it would have overturned if it would have been called a non-catch. Um, replayed it several times in the, the playback um, when I watched it. it. It was almost impossible to see if there was any green uh, between there, but what, what an effort right there. And then the first down catch in the final uh, drive once we were across the 50 right. as well. Not only the, the yards after the catch, and I think that's where Bo, Bo is most effective. He is slippery after the catch. Right. Yeah, I like him in that intermediate area. I, I, I mean, I know we like to throw bubbles. I know we like to throw tunnels and stuff like that. But I like him on the slant, the crossers, things like that where we can hit him in stride. It doesn't need to be – now he runs the – he runs the leak out well, you know, those type of things. But I think we could get it downfield to him more, just dig routes like it, where like that, where he's coming across the middle again, zone, get it, and then make guys miss, twist, fight, you know, and all of a sudden he picks up an extra six, that type of thing. I love it when he does that because that energizes the crowd too. He's another guy that, well, they love him because he's a North Dakota native. Exactly. And, you know, they're just waiting for him to make plays. And. Bo was the only Fighting Hawk receiver with more than one reception. Uh, Elador, Dennis, Wright, Smith, Max Gunderson, touchdown catch. Yes. Um, Red Wilson each had one catch. Let's go back, as long as we're bringing up Max Gunderson. Fourth and inches. <laughs> and the Hawks throw the touchdown pass. And it took Tommy to evade the rush, move to his right, and hit Max in the end zone. Here's the thing about that play. Um, when you really watch it back, Illinois State played it perfectly. They had the guy out. The corner stayed up, I believe. I believe it was the corner. The guy, the um, furthermost outside defender, let's call him. I can't remember who it was, but he stayed up. So Tommy was going to run that ball. I'm guaranteed he was going to boot and run that ball because Max was supposed to clear the corner. So he's going to run run that little shallow corner route. And that was going to pull the corner back with him. Well, corner didn't do that. Safety safety had to get over. Well, safety didn't get over. So Tommy's stuck in the middle. He's rolling out, and all of a sudden the defensive end's coming at him, and the corner didn't bite. So he had to throw it to Max. If he didn't throw it to Max, we lose five yards and the ball. And it was an excellent play by Tommy to get it out that quick to know to throw it up high to Max, who's 6'5". Max goes up and gets it, and an underrated part of that is two guys came to hit him and try to get that ball out at the exact same time he was clutching it in, and he held on. And yeah, that. I mean, you could if you want to point to plays of the game, that was that, that was, was up there. <clears throat> that was a huge um, play in the game. Now was that the two point conversion? Yeah, that would have put that would have gave us sixteen. Yeah, so then so I think 16, we did swinging nine. gate. <clears throat> we did yeah, swinging gate. Yeah, uh, went for two. Um, I know you no. were adamantly opposed to that. <laughs> I saw your, I saw your tweet, um, no, <clears throat> and I am going to not the end of the world or anything. I'm going to play devil's advocate on that because you know media um, hindsight is always twenty twenty, and even in Gonzo media, I'm going to play devil's advocate with something that I agreed with you. Um, in the South Dakota game, and I didn't necessarily disagree with you on this. Um, the head coach said after the game, ah, we thought we had something and we thought we were going to mm -hmm. get it. Well, that's always, you know, we thought we were going to get it. Um, but I, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here and, and hear your response on it. So in the South Dakota game, I liked your tweet that said, the game was ours for the taking and we didn't take it. 
and we end up uh, losing 14-10. The way the, the brackets came out probably cost North Dakota a seed. Um, yep. The way things turn out, I, w- I would think we would be sitting um, idle this week. Now, last week, the Hawks go up seven. Instead of taking the uh, extra point, the, the PAT kick, and going up eight, which would require Illinois State to score and then get the two-point conversion, they went mm-hmm. for two. Um, the justification being we wanted to go up two scores. You were opposed to that, but doesn't that fit the mold of going out and taking it? Points were hard to come by on Saturday. They thought they had it. I know conventional wisdom says go up eight, but was this part of the mentality the same thing that we saw in the fourth down play saying, we got to go win this game, points are hard to come by? Not at home. No, we're better at home. I wasn't worried about that. Um not in a rock fight, too. I tweeted that to, to uh, when I responded to somebody. This was a rock fight. Take the points. Just keep your points and don't give them away. You know, you don't know when you're going to get them again. You know, and the other thing, you know, there's two ways to look at it, I guess. I, there was going to be some more scoring in that game, in my opinion. Not much, but there was going to be some points just because – UND's defense, you know, it's not the 85 Bears, okay? They're going to give up some points, even though they played all right. But, you know, to make it two scores, I don't know. It's just, it doesn't matter. You know, there was going to be more scoring is my point. Take the point, make it eight, just not even to make it eight. Just take the point and move on. It's the middle of third quarter. Let's go. Let's just keep rolling on. You know what I mean? I don't want to give away one point in a game like this. Now, you know, if it's more of a free-flowing, dynamic game and you want to change the juice and just, you know, where you're, you're thinking, well, we might get two or three more touchdowns. You know, you're playing a Western, whatever. Yeah, run, go for two, what the hell, we can always get it back later. We might not get that back. Okay, that's my point. Illinois State's pretty good, you know, and I, did, I didn't like it at the time. Take the points, just keep, keep the flow going. That's what, that was my gotcha. – now, I tweeted, I said, hey, you know, I said, if we get it, it's a dumb call. If we don't get it, it's a dumb call. I think that was my tweet. But in, in I don't words, know, whatever. I mean, it could have got words, in there. But For our listeners, the All-American did not like the call. <laughs> right. well, he, didn't li- he didn't like the call whether we get it or not. No, I'm, uh, I'm – Yeah, uh, if we get it, I'm great. Yanking, but yanking I, your chain yeah, a little no, bit. And, and, again, that's what, that's what we do here. Um, but flipping to the defensive side yeah. – um, in our review, Mason Blackmore um, rushes 22 times for 103 yards. So the Redbirds did have a 100-yard rusher, Tommy Rittenhouse, nine rushes, 66 yards. Cole Mueller, uh, 11 for 48. They had 231 yards on the ground. Right. Um, you know, normally with their time of possession. Kelly, when I look at the stats, if I have to read the statistics, including third down conversions, time of possession, everything else, I say Illinois State wins this game. Right. <laughs> you look at it. It's if I, if, you don't, if I don't know the score and somebody says, Shannon, you've, you've watched a lot of football in your 117 years mm-hmm. on the planet. Who won this football game? And I said, well, it's clear, Illinois State. 466 yards of offense. Yeah. UND only had 338. Yep. How many times do you win a game like that? Yeah, well, not, not too often. They miss a field goal. Yep. You know, we block an extra point, and we stay. UND gave up a lot of yards, call it in between the 20s, but then they bowed up, you know, and so it doesn't tell the whole story, but for sure, yeah, if you look at the box score, you'd be amazed. And 
you know, they had long, the, the, the long touchdown runs, those hurt. I, we didn't like, you know, the way they were pretty much untouched into the end zone. But you got to give credit to UND. Well, one for nine. UND is one for nine on third down. On third down, yeah. <laughs> which, which unbelievable. Which oh. the, the Hawks are oh. in the top five in the country in converting on right. third down. They go in Saturday, they go one for nine. Right. Yeah, it, it's, it is kind of amazing. Yeah, truly, that they won that game. And, well, it's a testament. Call it Alaris magic. Call it UND magic. But they believe. All right, UND believes, and they won the game. Malachi McNeil, um, eight solo tackles in that game monster game for malachi he's getting a lot of air time he's getting a lot of quotes out there too so malachi's ready for the playoffs uh malachi buckner three tackles edmund okanzi um between sammy fort devin henry uh, edmund okanzi and malachi buckner much better tackling last buckner's coming alive yeah he's i think he's getting more comfortable it took a while you know come from the big south don't know the defense you know don't know the school don't know anything you just you know move 2,000 miles away, these things happen. It takes time. And this year, he looks like a different player. He's trying to hit everyone out there as hard as he can. He's moving faster. That tells me he's more comfortable. Simplified, back yep. to what we talked about. But, yeah, I mean, I like I like the way the team is going as a whole. I know things can get better, but moving into this week, that's got to be a shot in the arm for him, doesn't it? To know you didn't really play that well and you won again. And we won. And – yeah, because there's there's an upside. Saturday was not the mm-hmm. ceiling. There's an upside. Now the tackling is going to have to be sure um, because we're going to be facing another big back uh, out of Sacramento State. We're going to be facing a dual. Um, when I say dual threat quarterback, it's two quarterbacks is right. what we have. One One's more effective throwing. One's more effective running. They're going to throw everything um, at us. Um, I think the the greatest advantage the Hawks have coming in is, you know, the home field. Um, and we're going to get to see um, our old friend Caleb Nelson again. Caleb is, is playing yep. pretty well. I've, uh, because they play late, I've watched a lot of Sac State's games this year and concentrate on, on what uh, Caleb has done. First of all, um, <clears throat> he is not the Caleb uh, Nelson we used to, and we loved him when he was here. He has put on weight. He has put on speed. He is a specimen coming back because obviously he's matured. He's 22 years old right right now. Um, But anyway, it's going to be fun uh, to see Caleb uh, back in the Alaris Center again. Uh, Kelly, it's time for us to look at how uh, the Missouri Valley Football Conference standings finished up, and we're going to look at the bracket, and that is this week's toasted frog look at the fcs bracket in the missouri valley football conference and before we do that we're going to thank the toasted frog and i'm going to give you a play-by-play of what holly and i did following that um that cardiac uh victory by the hawks holly and i came back to fargo and we headed to the toasted frog there we go um it was uh jam-packed as usual a big night downtown the uh, Christmas market and we did that following the frog but when we got in we weren't sure we were going to get a table because pretty popular popular place down on Broadway in Fargo as it is in downtown Grand Forks well they offered us something that we took up on them they said would the two of you like to sit at the chef's bar and mm. we said sure we're up for a new experience so we were seated right in front of the open kitchen uh, there's place there's room for about six or seven people at what they call the chef's bar. So we were seated facing uh, the chef and the sous chefs and the cooks and whatever else. So we got to see the food prepared. Um, 
The trout was the special. I, oh, we we didn't have the trout, but we saw several people having it. It was pretty amazing to watch the preparation, watch what goes into it, how they're searing the steaks, how they're preparing the lavash. Um, we ended up having drinks and the calamari, which if you're a calamari fan, best in town at the Toasted Frog. If you're a lavash fan, best in town at the Toasted Frog. Whole slices of Havarti cheese. We had the <laughs> buffalo chicken, whole slices of Havarti cheese. And our waitress said, I'm going to make a suggestion to you guys. Would you like, because it's buffalo, she said, it's going to be pretty hot. It, it's got a, you know, on the menu, it had the pepper right there. And she said, you know what we've been doing is we've been chopping up celery and putting it on. So it's kind of like you're eating your wings. It was incredible, Kelly. Mm. Never disappointed at the Toasted Frog. So we want to thank uh, the team at the Toasted Frog. If you get into Fargo, folks, um, if they ask you about the chef's bar, do it. So, right. Kelly, yep. uh, let's take a look at how the Missouri Valley Football Conference ended up. Here's last week's scores. North Dakota State in probably what was the biggest matchup other than our game, the Hawks game. Uh, the biggest anticipated, North Dakota State puts 48 on Northern Iowa at home, downs the Panthers 48-27, and knocks the Panthers out of the playoffs. Uh, I don't think anyone saw that coming. I don't think so either. Well, based off the previous week, you know, Northern Iowa went down to Missouri State and totally laid an egg, and that surprised everyone. Okay, well, they're back home. They understand the stakes, you know, and they look terrible again, and their offense just went dormant. I mean, the – I don't. I mean, I I don't want to oversimplify it, but if you look at UND's tape, what they did against NDSU, you can probably glean some things from that, right? The way you spread them out and lighten the box a little bit. They didn't. I mean, the problem I think with Northern Iowa, besides they obviously fell apart, is they do so much drop back that they're not what they don't do what South Dakota and UND did to them with the quick stuff, power inside running quick quick passes they like to catch it and drop back everything's big bigger elongated play and that just doesn't work I, I said that in the pregame against you know the pregame for NDSU the way you beat them is quick make them tackle in space they're not as good this year doing it and you can't let them develop up front you know you just everything's got to be quick you either run straight at them or you get it all quick you know and they don't do that and I think it was and then NDSU's playing very well too so you combine those two things turned into a Complete mismatch, total blowout. Yeah, NDSU's offense starting to find the rhythm. They're starting to find what works for them. I don't think they knew, you know, the old stuff kind of maybe wasn't working the best. So now they're finding what, you know, a little downfield passing game that was working better for them and credit to them. You know, they adjusted and now they're playing better at the at the right time of the year. And they played themselves uh, into the playoffs. Uh, we're going to look at, take a look at the bracket uh, where North Dakota State ended up. Um <clears throat> Missouri State uh, downed by South Dakota State 35-17. Uh, that was expected. Uh, Youngstown uh, State, another playoff team, gets in over. Uh, they defeat Murray State 34-17. Uh, South Dakota 48-6 over Western. Western ends up uh, winless. That's a disappointing yeah. year. And um, they have a change at the top. That was announced uh, Sunday morning. So Western is out looking 
for a coach as well. Southern yeah. Illinois, 38-9 over Indiana State, and the Salukis get in to the playoffs. Are you surprised at all that the Salukis got in? Somewhat, yeah. I mean, that's not a very good resume, and Northern Illinois is not very good. No. Okay, and I realize it's an FBS win, but what, you know, I'm trying to look it up here. What was, I'm guessing, 10 weeks ago, 11 yeah. weeks ago? It was a week one. Yeah, I don't I even remember. Week two. Week two, yeah. So two. call it 10 weeks ago, and it's like, you know, okay. And the same thing with Sac State, okay. Should they have gotten in? I guess. I mean, eventually you got to beat someone. Well, then they called Stanford 10 weeks ago. Well, yeah. I don't guess, you know, but they're not playing very well now, you know, and it's like Davis was playing better than them. Yeah. And, that, and, you know, it's just that probably surprised you know. me more than anything when we get to the brackets that Sac State's in and Davis is out. Right. That really surprised me because yeah. Davis, um, Davis controlled the game so um, last week. Southern Illinois, I'm trying to look here. Okay. <clears throat> The Austin P win, obviously, because they're a playoff team. That counts. Yep. That was week one. You know, they beat Northern Illinois week two. So they started out hot and then have kind of tailed off in the in the Missouri Valley. Well, I they thought, didn't beat I, anyone. I thought after North Dakota State trounced them in Fargo, <clears throat> I thought that was probably the end for them. Well, they put up 10 against NDSU, 7 against South Dakota, 10 against South Dakota State and three against Youngstown, their best four teams right. in the Missouri. They, they didn't score they didn't at all. They score didn't do anything. So, yeah, I guess they probably took the first two weeks into consideration, but geez, yeah. you know, I mean. I'm I not know. so sure Nick Baker is happy to be in the playoffs. He's got to play Thanksgiving weekend, and from his build, Thanksgiving weekend, probably <laughs> a pretty, pretty big. It's always a big one for him. It's always know? a big one for him. Um, <laughs> he's he's kind of small in stature, and he he carries a little weight around the middle. He's, right. He is not yeah. your prototypical uh, quarterback, but obviously very effective. Let's get to the standing. South Dakota State wins it going away. They yep. they run the conference schedule eight and 11 and zero overall, and the odds on favorite uh, going into the FCS playoffs. South Dakota seven and one, nine and two overall. Probably the biggest surprise team in the Missouri Valley Football Conference this year. Yeah, pulled off credit to credit to them. Pulled off tight wins. You know, they they close wins, and you know that wasn't. They started out, you know, the non-conference wasn't too hard, but they, you know, they beat NDSU and beat UND, and then you know Southern Illinois is a playoff team. Youngstown's a playoff team. They want beat them by three, yep. pulled it out. I mean, they're pulling lost out close to, Lost to FBS so, yep. Missouri, um, yep. a game that they were in until um, late, and then uh, got beat badly at home to South Dakota State. Right. Logjam at number three in the conference standings, Northern Iowa, North Dakota State, North Dakota, Youngstown State. Um, then we get to um, Southern Illinois, four and four, seven and four. They uh, are the sixth uh, Missouri Valley team in. Illinois State finishes four and four in the league, six and five overall. Missouri State three and five, four and seven, and then we have Murray State, Indiana State, Western Illinois, mm -hmm. one and seven for Murray State, two and nine overall. Indiana State one and seven, one and ten, and then Western Illinois zero oh and eight, zero yep. uh, oh and eleven. And again, we mentioned they are looking for a new staff at Illinois State. Right. Or, uh, excuse me, at Western Illinois. So, <clears throat> Kelly, let's look at the brackets. And we are going to start on the left side of the bracket, uh, the South Dakota State side of the bracket. The seeds are, number one, South Dakota State, number eight, Villanova, Albany, 
comes in at number five, and Idaho at number four. Of those four, Idaho at number four is probably my biggest surprise. I expected Idaho to get a seed. I thought they'd be on the other side of the bracket at a seven um, is where I thought they were going to come in, which is where Furman ended up, and we'll talk about why Furman dropped to a number seven seed. In the seeds on the left side of the bracket or the South Dakota State side of the bracket, if you will, any um, thoughts on seeds, any surprises for you? Well, Albany was interesting because what I did is I just filled out the Massey ratings on the ch- on the bracket. And, you know, it gives you an idea, a snapshot. It's not perfect, but it's all-encompassing, you know, and it's, it's close. South Dakota State was one Massey. You know, Villanova was seven, so they got an eight. Albany was 15 in the Massey ratings. They got a five seed. Now, that's a major, major discrepancy, probably the biggest one on here. You know, and Idaho was a, was six, and the Massey got a four. And got a four. So, yeah, I mean, Albany's the one where, you know, I just, you kind of look at it, and, well, you know, you scroll down. and Well, it's probably a, you know, given Missouri Valley, you know, there's going to be a lot of horse trading in that room. Missouri Valley gets six mm-hmm. teams in. Albany was probably a concession, um, a CAA concession to get another seed. Right, yeah, I'm guessing so, because you look at, you know, you scroll their schedule, and they beat Villanova, who's a seed. Nobody else? Uh, anybody else in the playoffs that they beat? Rhode Island's I don't, not in. I don't think so. They lost to New Hampshire, who's not in. Not in. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, they beat one team in the playoffs, and got the five seed now to me that reeks of regionality yeah Yeah, and there's there is still you know know, they gave him a five so they would end up we we fcs fans really want this to be a national tournament it's still a regional right um the pairings are put together regionally we'll get into that a little bit more um let's go over to the other side of the bracket and the seeds the grizz who destroyed the cats this weekend in missoula and the grizz um this show has been doubting the grizz all year long but they come in a number two seed and they looked really really good this weekend they're getting better getting better at the right time of the year and yeah they oh wow i mean montana state didn't even stand a chance they did nothing they couldn't get anything going and yeah, Oof. speaking of heading the wrong direction, Furman comes in yeah. a number seven seed. Um, they lose to one win previous, one win previous, Wofford this weekend, which is a, Furman-Wofford is a rivalry game, but nonetheless, they dropped down to seven. They were probably headed for a two seed prior to that loss. Well, they're, they're uh, 16 in the Massey. So they're 16 in the Massey, and they get the seven seed. Everyone was saying they probably shouldn't have been a seed and they just lost a one-win team you know it's yep. like uh, okay so then you scroll their scroll their schedule tennessee tech mercer so that would be mercer's in right mercer yeah mercer's in, in. Yep. so that's one they got one playoff win and the rest i mean western carolina they beat them but they fell apart so they didn't even get in and oh i take that back where was uh the noog the noog got in so they beat Chattanooga. So they beat two playoff teams. So I think that's how they got in. Now at nine and two, I suppose if you beat two playoff teams, you're nine and two. Well, it's probably a seed. It's probably you know? a seed. Yeah. But but oh. after the Wofford loss, 
I thought North Dakota State was going to replace Wofford as a seed. That was my pick. Replace Furman? Yep. Yeah, replace yep. Furman. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Replace Furman. After, after Furman gets the loss, I go, well, if the Bison beat Northern Iowa, they're going to get a seed. They're going to replace Wofford. Wofford's going to play first week. Well, here's the way I looked at it, too. It would have had to be that seven because they weren't going to put NDSU at eight against, no. against South Dakota State. No. You know, so they knew that. So they were going to mix things up mix a little bit up. to not have rematch, you know, just whatever. But um, – yeah, it would have had to have been that seven spot when you look back at it, or possibly the six Montana State. I mean, their resume didn't yeah, turn out to be all that great. Especially after you know? after the brawl of the wild, they got they got boat raced and they dropped to a six seed. Right. Um, still a really good. I, I like the right side of the bracket. You know, they're yeah. <clears throat> we're pretty critical FCS fans. Um, there's mm. uh, people that say the rabbits have a cakewalk on the left side. I'm not so sure that's true, and the rabbits. Um, this year, they're, they're the hands-on favorite. So wherever right. they were placed, they're going to be the hands-on favorite. Um, uh, finalizing the seeds on the right side of the bracket, um, Bob Nielsen and his Coyotes, South Dakota, a three-seed, a great spot for the Coyotes. Also think North Dakota, when we get to that, I think we've got a great um, position in the bracket as well. Got to win this weekend. Got to yeah, win this I mean, weekend. We, that's why I said I put out a tweet right after it was released. I said, this is as good as it gets for UND. Because I would much rather be across from South Dakota Absolutely. than across from Montana State. That's you know, correct. And their, their home winning streak that they got, I exactly. would not. I don't want to deal with that. So, I don't want to go to Furman. I don't want to go to Montana nope. in the second round. You know, nope. So I would rather go to South, South Dakota. Dakota. And Bus yeah, trip. another thing I was going to point out here, Shannon, when I, I wrote down all the Masseys, Opening round. Let's look at let's look at the matchups opening. I mean, I just highlighted a few of them. Obviously, there's what eight eight yeah. opening round matchups. UND and Sac State are ten versus twelve. Okay, ten in the country versus twelve in the country. All right. Well, tough draw. All right. What do you do? You know, regionality. Regionality. They aren't going to send the Hornets. NDSU's, to the East Coast. Yeah. NDSU's three. They're playing ninety four Drake. Yep. So three versus ninety four. Well, Pioneer, right. Pioneer right. League champ. Yep. And and we couldn't play them. We couldn't so, play them yep. because so. there's no rematches in the first round. Yep. But Drake, credit Drake, eight no in their league. Yep. But it's a good draw for North Dakota State. Is it the or is North Dakota State the ninth seed? Perhaps they get right. a home game. They get Drake. Yep. So good three versus ninety four. Yep. Southern Illinois is eight, which you know is debatable. But anyway, if you want to use the Massey rating, Southern Illinois is eight. Nichols is thirty eight. So eight gets thirty eight. Okay. Youngstown's thirteen. They play Duquesne, who's 65. So 13 gets 65. See what I'm saying? UND's 10 versus 12. Regional, <laughs> See the regionalization. Yep. And what was it? Oh, Austin P's 9. They get Chattanooga, who's 35. So 935, 394, 838, 1365, 1012. Yeah, I mean, we got a tough. It's well, tough it's draw, a, it's and a you got to you got to beat. You know, it's but. it's because of the regionalization, yep. and there aren't a lot of West Coast teams. So when Sac State comes in, where are they going to send them? They're going to send them to North Dakota. The the thought out of Grand Forks, um, following our win, was that Nichols was coming up. But as soon as Southern Illinois is in, regionalization. You yep. send Nichols, the the uh, uh, Louisiana team. You send them up to Southern Illinois. So there's still regionalization here, including Drake coming to Fargo. Um, and, and again, I guess what what FCS fans would like to see, and this, there's a lot of FCS fans that want to see this go back to 16 teams, seated one through 16. 
Um, you got a 24-team bracket. I think it creates some excitement down the stretch, right. a 24-team bracket. Um, when you have 10 auto bids and two of them are to non-scholarship leagues, um, I, I think 24 is justified. Um, you've heard me say this before, the, the non-scholarship teams bothers me a little bit that they get an auto bid because there's other schools investing in the scholarships, investing in their programs, um, other than the run that Holy Cross went on last year, the non-scholarship leagues are usually one and done in the FCS playoffs. So, um, you know, a credit to them. They are Division One. They're doing their things. But why should Chattanooga not be in the playoffs when they're offering scholarships, making the investment, right. and Lafayette gets in and they're not. Now, we know that academically, both the Pioneer League and the Patriot League are far. I mean, those are the best, some of the best schools in the country academically. But invest in your program. Um, well, NC, unfortunately, NC, we're playing football. So. And we're playing football. And NC Central, um, there's, you know, they're – number one team goes to the Celebration Bowl, then their number two team is the only one eligible right. to come in. There's a lot of things about FCS that I would change. Um, I'd really like to see the Ivies come into the playoff system. They won't do it because of testing and finals. And, you know, they only play 10 games. They don't play 11 games. They, You know, th there's a lot of things in FCS football I'd like to see changed. I think we're, we're due for some huge changes in college football, so we're probably going to get yeah. uh, some changes. It's going to take care of itself here a it little is. bit as the realignment happens. It's exactly. just it's going to be wholesale realignments, I think. You know, so I'm not not as worried about that. But I think next isn't next year. Aren't they going to the seating the um, six? The I think six, so. all the way out. I think I think well, sixteen seeds. I think we're then, going to sixteen. I think we go to sixteen, and then the bottom <clears throat> eight just get placed with nine through. Yes, that's sixteen that's what or whatever it is. Now, yeah, okay. um, <clears throat> let's talk about North Dakota seed, and then we'll we'll wrap things up. We got a lot to cover in our uh, three sixty game preview um, that's coming up in segment two. Um, overall, North Dakota, uh, we draw Sac State. We know that's a tough draw. It's tournament time, folks. You got to beat uh, the best. Yep. Um, regardless, but should the Hawks get by Sac State, uh, a road game at South Dakota where they uh, uh, just dropped a close one, 14-10, that's a pretty good draw. I think so. I liked it. Uh, you've been there. You were just there. You know what to expect. You know what to what it feels like in the dome, you know, just whatever, where the locker rooms are at. You know the physicality that's across from you, both sides of the ball. So now you know what to expect there. You know how the corners play. Hey, they're physical and they're handsy. All right. Receivers, you know, Wes Elliott, or he should know better than anybody. Yep. Okay. You know, and you just know. And it's same thing for South Dakota. They know how physical UND is and what worked for them. So it's going to be a chess match. UND can get by Sac State. That game against South Dakota is now a real chess match because they both are going to go back to the tape and say what worked, what didn't, what do we got to do differently. And UND will do a whole lot different on offense. I don't think it, South Dakota will change much. They put up some yards. And they, they struggled to run a little bit. But I think UND will run the ball more. If, if we get into a rematch and things will look a little little different, they won't put so much on Tommy to run the quick screens and stuff just because those corners are so physical out right. there. It's tough to block them. Perimeter blocking was an issue in that game. And, all right, deal with it. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, so we got to change what we're going to do. 
yeah, it'll be interesting. I like the matchup, though. And, and let's look at, um, let's stay in that bracket. Um, we mentioned, you know, Drake coming in to play North Dakota State. Pretty good draw for the Bison, but they they were 8-3. and three. Um, And round two is a home game for the Cats. Now, two things that I will say about that second round potential matchup, you know, uh, Drake, that would be Holy Cross beating Minnesota in hockey if Drake pulls <laughs> yeah. this off. And again, we're not discrediting Drake. It's just a tall order to come into the Fargo Dome for them. But North Dakota State, the presumed winner in the first round. Second round, the Bison go out to Montana State. That is a tough draw for both Right. Those teams. Yeah, if you're Montana State, you're not real Oof. happy about it. If you're NDSU, you're not real happy about it because they win every game at home pretty much exactly. for years. So, yeah, yeah, that'll be a, that'll be a good game though because uh, you know what Montana State wants to do. They just want to run the ball, run two quarterback system, run the ball, and take their shots. You know, at the tight ends and yeah, a good game. Very that'll be a very very good game. It'll be a four quarter game, no doubt about it. I don't see a I don't see a real, the way NDSU is playing, I don't see a real decided advantage on either side of the ball. Now, four or five weeks ago, it would have been a mismatch of epic, oh, God, Montana State, they're rolling everyone, you know, and yeah. NDSU doesn't look very good. Wow, things change, things change. in a hurry. I, I think you're going to, uh, I think it's going to be a chess match, uh, Tommy Malott and Chambers. Um, at quarterback, they you know they're they're different types of quarterback. I think you're going to see pretty equal uh, time for for both of them. Um, and one thing about North Dakota State's losses, um, there's been they've been exposed for where their weaknesses, which were usually strengths defensively. Um, you can run the ball on the Bison, which is what I expected Northern Iowa to do, and Northern Iowa didn't do it. No. So. Wow, there, yeah, the way their offense. Yeah, it just wasn't a, in hindsight, it wasn't a good matchup nope. at all, timing at all. or anything. Yep. This week's Development Homes 360 guest is Jason Ross, Sac State's play by play man. Jason, welcome and thank you for joining UND Football 360. Thank you. Yeah, looking forward to this weekend, big time. Yeah, hey, Jason, this is Kelly Howell from UND Football 360. Uh, before we jump into the matchup, let's talk a little bit. I want to hear your thoughts on Sac State, just for, you know, our listeners, like an overall view of the season, maybe, before we get into the minutia of it. Uh, 2023, look at the season, you know, seven and four, had its transition, I guess you could say, I mean, coaching staff and whatnot. What What are your thoughts overall on how the season went, and are there any surprises that you saw along the way, or is it kind of what you were expecting? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is the first thing that you mentioned, the adjustment. They uh, obviously lost their head coach, Troy Taylor, who moved on to Stanford, so that's a significant move. Second part, uh, their Offensive Player of the Year in the conference last year was Cameron Scadaboo. He went into the transfer portal and is now playing running back at Arizona State. The Defensive Player of the Year in the conference was Marte Mapu, who got drafted in the third round from the Hornets to the New England Patriots. So, I mean, they were they were moving on from significant talent, a team that was undefeated a year ago. A new head coach kept a lot of the continuity, though, with Andy Thompson being the defensive coordinator. A lot of his key assistants stuck around. So I think there was still a lot of optimism. And then just based on looking at the way the schedule laid out, uh, I thought before the season started that they had to get to seven wins, which seemingly is the magic number and the number they made it to, 
they were going to have to defeat one of five teams if they took care of business everywhere else. And that was UC Davis, Montana, Montana State, Idaho, and Stanford. And in that order, they played Stanford first, beat Stanford. So I thought, boy, if they kind of win the other games they're supposed to, they're probably in. And if they can also get another win or two, that would help them. Unfortunately, they lost those other four games. So they ended seven and four. I personally wish they were playing better going in, but they know it's a new season starting Saturday with North Dakota. Right. And they have experience too, you know, from last year, uh, 12, 12 and one season, you know, the magical season out there. I liked watching them because they put up so many points and they were just such, such a fun squad to watch that last game of the year was, I mean, absolutely undescribable how that thing went down with incarnate word, two powerful offenses. But yeah, I mean, they, the one thing that uh, UND fans need to realize is there's an ex- experience level coming into this thing. We're getting a couple games last year, you know, going 11 and 0 during the season. So, um, you know, when I look at Sac State, you know, at the offense, um, what the quarterback situation, let's start there. Okay. You know, everyone knows that you guys are, you know, been alternating a little bit lately. I think October 28th, it might've started with the, with um, Bennett and Conklin alternating. And it seems like it's been, I've been trying to get a handle on it. Is there a rhyme or reason to how they alternate? Do you think, or is it just feel? Do do you think the offensive staff just goes by feel each game? Yeah, so what's weird is the previous two years when the Hornets made the postseason and had really good records and won the Big Sky Conference, they established playing two quarterbacks, but they knew what they wanted to do. It was set up from before the year, and they literally would change in series. It might be a down and distance thing with Jake Dunaway and Asher O'Hara the last couple of years. Well, now this year, the way the season started, guys, they opened up at Nichols and Carson Camp, a name you guys would probably know out there, it used to be at South Dakota, was the day one first series starter and played okay at Nichols. They wanted to play both quarterbacks, and they brought in Caden Bennett, and that game Caden outperformed Carson Camp. And from that point forward, they were starting Carson, excuse me, Caden Bennett. All along, here's true freshman Carson Conklin, who was in camp, who we knew they liked, but they waited until the eighth game of the year when the Hornets hosted Idaho State. That's the new rule where you can play a guy four games in the regular season, unlimited postseason, and not lose a red shirt. So they played him against Idaho State, and he was terrific. He, the Hornets scored 37 straight points with him as QB, threw for nearly 300 yards and three scores. So they thought, wow maybe maybe this needs to be the quarterback. Then they went to Montana. Neither quarterback was very good. He was much better in the game against Cal Poly, but last Saturday against uh, UC Davis, uh, he wasn't that strong, and Caden Bennett was better. So all that being said, I think Saturday's a little bit of a mystery because they've had success and some miscues with both. I get to believe they'll probably look at both in more of a situational who's playing better, hotter hand type of thing. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. And against UMB, I mean, we, we've we talked about it a lot this year that they struggle at times with running quarterbacks, mobile quarterbacks, Caden Bennett style, basically. The way he plays gives them, gives them issues because they get through the line, but they don't get to him is what mm-hmm. happens. And that last week they had, I believe I charted, it was 10 quarterback hurries and zero sacks. So they, wow. they they kept getting through, but then uh, Tommy Rittenhouse, who plays a lot like uh, Bennett, kept getting out of there and kept finding guys downfield or taking off running. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure they saw that on tape and were thinking, you know, they know what the game plan would be. So it'd be a that's one thing to definitely watch this weekend. Um, 
offensive line wise, um, we always like to look at that just because you know, it's such a big part, obviously, of the game. But then in the Missouri Valley, we face some real, real big offensive lines, put it that mm-hmm. way, and physical. And what would, you, if you had to describe the way Sac State's offensive line plays, like how is, is it a talented group, young group, old group, veteran group? How would you describe them? Yeah, it's experience. They're good. They're they're not. I noticed so the last couple of years we played some games with Missouri Valley. We had a home and home with Northern Iowa uh, each of the last couple of years. Went back there last year. The previous year they came here. And to me, one of the things that was certainly noticeable, Kelly, was that they were so much bigger than the Hornets. I thought, but then there were plays where really the speed of the Hornets won. There were plays where the size of Northern Iowa won. So that was kind of a contrast. I would say for the Hornets' offensive line. Uh, it's a big line, but immobile, athletic. Uh, they move around pretty well. There was a for about four games they hadn't even allowed a sack. Numbers have gone up a little bit, but they they protect their quarterbacks pretty well. And uh, I would say it's one of the strengths of the team has been their offensive line play. Okay, interesting. Good, good. That'll be make for a good good matchup because UND's defensive line has been playing better this year. I mean, we've been kind of up on them this year, so I think that inside the running game will be a be interesting one for people to people to watch on Saturday. Let's switch to the other side of the ball. Okay, the Hornets defense. Um, I'm seeing speed. I'm seeing very very good looking players. <laughs> They've got your linebackers and obviously a guy we know well here, Caleb Nelson. You know, mm-hmm. played his first couple of years at UND, and he he interesting thing about him, he got thrown in as a true freshman out of need. And kind of got thrown to the wolves a little bit. I remember watching, geez, I was like, oh boy. You know, I think Idaho State went after him a little bit. I think it was. And a few teams. And um, But then he got real good. The next year, he took a huge jump. And then I think he ended up out there after that. Now he's been a multi-year starter. So I'm seeing a lot of talent there. Who who would you say are the guys to watch on the Hornets defense? Uh, certainly, the defense, they, they'll play eight to nine different guys at the D-line and kind of shuttle them in. But the guys that are getting most of their statistics this year are their linebackers, and that's Armand Bailey, middle linebacker. You'll see him. He'll make a lot of hits. He's number four. He plays right in the middle there. He's a ton of experience, been all-conference performer. Brock Mather, the other linebacker with him, a lot of experience, too, playing two full years as a starter. So those guys have been in, in meaningful games and playoff games. Uh, the back end of the defense has some pretty good players there, too, in uh, Cameron Broussard, Caleb Nelson, who you mentioned. So, to me, the defense has kind of been up and down a little bit like the season. I mean, the, the games where kind of everything's clicking, you think, okay, this looks like a, a pretty good football team. And then there's other times where um, they've they've had their tough times. They've given up big plays. So, um, I don't think it's been fully ironed out or fully consistent, but um, at times I think the defense has been good and really the linebacker play has been the, been the strength. One more question here before I let you go, Jason. We appreciate you coming on with us. Um, Sac State offense, when they're rolling, like, what you know, you're watching, we're watching the game on Saturday, and when, when the Sac State offense is rolling and playing best, what are they doing? What are we, what are we going to be seeing? I would say when they are like in the full groove, it's, it's in full harmony from the play calling to the, to the rhythm of the offense. There's a rhythm. They'll put, they'll go tempo, they'll downshift, they'll kind of mix and match, but kind of when everything is right and maybe North Dakota is off expecting a run, they pass expecting a pass, they run, but it's also executing and, and spreading the field. They really want to use sideline to sideline, create space, get it to their athletes and, and get people in open space and see if they can move. So if they're really 
protecting the quarterback when they're throwing, getting it out to a wide variety of people, All-American tight end Marshall Martin, uh, running effectively. It's really the balance that they're strong on. Marcus Fulcher's a really good running back. So if they can kind of get everybody at the best version of themselves, that's when they're that's when they're really rolling. But um, like every team, they're always looking for that consistently. And they've shown it. It's not always there. But when they've shown it, they've been pretty good. You've been listening to Jason Ross, the Hornet play-by-play man in our Development Homes 360 segment. Jason, thank you for coming on with us today. Uh, welcome to North Dakota. If you need a uh, um, dinner suggestion, which I usually get questioned by the play-by-play man, we're going to suggest the Toasted Frog, who is one of our sponsors. That's in downtown Grand Forks. Uh, but welcome to North Dakota. And as I said prior to uh, we starting the recording, you let those young men who have never been to North Dakota know that <clears throat> the weather is balmy. Uh, we do play indoor football, and the reason we play indoor football in November is because of the heat and humidity. <laughs> I will definitely let them know. I, I've written it down, the Toasted Frog, and excited. We're going to the Ralph on uh, Friday night, so oh, nice. check out some hockey too, yeah. You, you will enjoy the Ralph. It is quite literally a hockey palace on the prairie. So, uh, again, welcome to North Dakota. We're looking forward to the game on Saturday, and thank you for your time today. Thank you, guys. Well, that's a lot to digest in segment one. We're going to come back with segment two. And when we do, we'll have our Thunder Lake Lodge 360 game preview. Remember, it's a 12 p.m. noon kickoff. UND and Sac State at the Alara Center. We'll preview it in Thunder Lake Lodge 360 game preview. We'll have our Hail Mary quiz, Kelly and Matt's picks. Folks, it's going to be a great weekend. Get on out to the Alaris. Told on the banks of the Sacramento. This is Caleb Johnson, and you're listening to UND Football 360. Welcome back. Segment two, UND Football 360 playoff week. We're getting ready. Sacramento State comes into the Alara Center, a noon kickoff, first round of the FCS playoffs this is the thunder lake lodge 360 game preview it's brought to you by thunder lake lodge in reamer minnesota and we welcome in our colleague matt nelson matt is remote he is actually out in the denver area taking in some time with his family uh matt we had a robust open segment and now we're calling on you to carry us through the finish line well i Happy to uh, hopefully carry the torch with uh, flying colors there. Uh, thanks for bringing me in. Uh, sorry I'm out of town, but uh, I appreciate the coordination. Um, glad the first segment went well. So, yeah, I'm up in uh, Winter Park right now uh, in, uh, for for my son's uh, skiing with his old ski team up here. And then we're going to have Thanksgiving down in uh, the Denver metro area with some family. So, uh, certainly appreciate you guys bringing me on and working with me. So it should be a good show. Well, one of your own teammates, uh, your old teammates from 
the national championship team. Caleb Johnson brought us in. We're going to talk about him in a little bit. But another connection to the 2001 national championship team, because it is the holiday season, it's time for the annual holiday magic from Marcus Drive. And you were very much involved with uh, Marcus and that 2001 team. You're very much familiar with what this drive does. And we want to pitch uh, the opportunity for our listeners to support Holiday Magic from Marcus. Yeah, it's a special fundraiser uh, for kids that um, are in the hospital during the holidays. And it all started, I got actually got an email saying that they're a little behind in funding. So, uh, so happy to talk about it today because it's such a special thing that our all the the players do every year. They go out and buy presents for kids that are stuck in the hospital over the holidays. And it all started with Marcus Bryant 20 years ago. Uh, he started coming to the practices. Uh, probably the number one fighting Sioux football fan that we had that year and uh, probably years prior. I mean, there's a number of names that come up on that list, but Marcus was certainly uh, really high up there in, in, in being a super fan for us. And uh, we got to know him through that 2001 season, and he was just an inspiration to the team. And, and a kid that is uh, barely a teenager dying from leukemia in the hospital, and he wanted to come spend his days with us, at, coming to practice, going down to Alabama with us. Uh, just a special kid, and he brought so much great perspective. I actually got hurt the last game in August uh, when we played Augustana. And uh, so I was on the sidelines after that. And, and I just remember him coming up to me, asking me how I'm doing today. Well, wait a minute. No, I, I should be asking you how you're doing because you got something way more worse than I do. I have a torn ACL. I mean, you're, you're dealing with, with a lot more serious things than I am, but he, he was that type kind of kid uh, who always thought of other people first and just such a great inspiration. And, and he was just a special um, time and a special thing that the seniors in 2002 created a fundraiser to help kids just like Marcus who are stuck in the hospital. So, so there's a lot of, a lot of stories, a lot of history there and the players have been doing it ever since Chris Beatty, actually a shout out to him. He's been doing a great job going out with the players every year and, and could be more proud of, of our current players in the last 20 years of just keeping this going and keeping Marcus Bryant's name alive and uh, just a really special thing that the program does. Yeah, and I wanted to add to that, Matt. I mean, excellent description, by the way, of how it all came about and Marcus and the basically the magic he left on that program that year, leading him to a national championship. Um, I will be tweeting out the link. We will be tweeting, you know, out the information for anyone who wants to donate. We will all be donating. Um, we can get to that number pretty quick, folks. Um, you know, every year they meet the number, but every year, you know, we just got to remind people, hey, it's out there. You know, you've got busy lives. We understand that, but it's such a great cause. Look for on Twitter We'll add it on the website if we can. Um, easy, very easy to donate. And they, these it will be happening soon. 
I believe, Shannon. So, I mean, it would be, we need to get this going probably, you know, this week and next. So there's time to get these presents and get them to the kids that need them. Yeah. And that's the power of uh, this show, UND Football 360 and our listeners. Kelly will be tweeting it out. Kelly has 5,500 followers. Um, That's a lot of followers on his uh, Twitter feed. Um, We want to get the word out and we know Fighting Hawks fans and fighting Sioux fans who remember Marcus and the effect he had um, on the program. There is a photo, and I'm sorry if I get a little emotional here, but there is a photo of Marcus on the championship stand um, from Florence, Alabama in 2001. He's there with the trophy. Um, He's there with Coach Dale Lennon. He's right there with the team. Uh, He was an inspiration. He continues to be an inspiration uh, to children who are facing crisis during the holiday season. So we're going to count on you, UND Football 360 listeners, to join the three of us in supporting Holiday Magic from Marcus. And um, we're going to send out a thank you to you as well. Thank you, Matt, um, for discussing that. And this is the Thunder Lake Lodge 360 game preview. And a member of that team and a member, uh, a person who is involved with Holiday Magic for Marcus is Craig Riondo. And Craig Riondo is Thunder Lake Lodge of Reamer, Minnesota. And folks, it's not too early to start thinking about your summertime bookings. You know, we're going we're gonna to put a little ice on the lake uh, at Thunder Lake uh, over the winter. But next summer, it's going to come off and it's going to be beautiful. You want to get your cabin reserved right now. So thunderlakelodge.org. Uh, is how you book your cabin, and it's never too early to start. And I know the one thing, Matt, is Thunder Lake Lodge does not have downhill skiing, but that's about the only thing they're missing. Right, yes. Uh, Not too many hills. That's one part of Minnesota that's relatively a little flatter, but they got some great winter activities coming up. You got snowmobiling. You got still lakes aren't frozen over so they're still fishing this is a great time to go out and and catch those late season walleyes before it ices up so give craig a call northern minnesota this time of year you just can't beat it it's it's an all-season place and uh craig has done a great job with thunder lake lodge uh was able to see it in the winter time last year stopped on a way to a street ski trip actually you bring that up and uh man just a beautiful area even in the winter time so give craig a call uh, he'll be happy to hook you up. Well, it's time for the Hail Mary quiz. And the gentleman who brought us back in segment two is Caleb Johnson. He is the all-time playoffs reception leader. In fact, he has two postseason records. Uh, he played for the Fighting Sioux 2001 through 04. Huge, huge Fighting Hawks fan. And I know he's a listener to UND Football 360 because he retweets a lot of Kelly's uh, tweets. He leads the Fighting Hawks in playoff receiving yards with 648 yards. Folks, that's a season (laughs) for a lot of uh, receivers. And um, as you know, when we challenge Kelly and Matt with the Hail Mary quiz, the questions are impossible. The prizes are ridiculous. And um, the winner gets to avoid a chore. And this week's chore for the loser of the Hail Mary quiz, you have to stand beside Bubba after touchdowns and you have to give him advice on whether to go for one or for two. And I know he'd appreciate his old free safety, K 
Kelly Howe from his position coach days helping him with that. <laughs> that is correct. I will do that because I have a sideline pass. I'm there's a lot of times like what do we have to what is it the 30 where that white box where you cuts have off? to be yeah. so we got to be outside the 30s whatever but there's times where we're not more than five yards apart because he's staring down at the end zone i'm to his right hey you know i i have no problem and throwing Kelly, kick it i i <laughs> think, I'll start screaming what he should do i think your old position coach would appreciate your <laughs> he help would. At times, he, he, you know, he's very open. He's very open to suggestions, particularly on game day. Yeah, he always like my opinion throughout the years when he was my coach. Yeah. You know, I'm more than happy to say what I was thinking that at the time. That relationship has only grown. It's only grown better um, with time. So let's let's get our quiz out. The loser has to uh, advise Bubba on whether to go for one or two after oh. touchdowns. Um, we mentioned that Caleb Johnson. Um, all-time reception leader, 648 playoff receiving yards. The question in this week's Hail Mary quiz, and Matt, you get to go first. So it's going to be who is closest to the number of receptions that Caleb Johnson had in the playoffs, the number of receptions. Now, we've told you it was 648 mm. yards. How many receptions did Caleb Johnson have? And Matt Nelson, you were his teammate. We're going to let you go first. Ooh, yeah. I I feel like I'm on the spot now. I'm friends with Caleb, too. So if I get this wrong, I'm, go, I'm probably going to get a text message or uh, something that, hey, what the what the heck, Nelly? Come on, man. Um, boy, number of receptions. Uh, I'm going to go with 31. Okay. Matt Nelson says Caleb Johnson had 31 playoff receptions. Kelly Howe, how many playoff receptions did Caleb Johnson have in his career? I'm trying to do the math there. 35. Kelly Howe says 35. You are both miserably wrong. <laughs> Caleb Johnson has 55. What? Playoff reception. Oh, 55. How many games? 648 (laughs) yards. I didn't look up how many games, but it's a lot. 648 yards. And here's equally impressive. 11.78 yards per catch in the playoffs. You talk about Mr. Clutch. Caleb Johnson. And the first time, I remember Caleb, but the first time we were looking for liners, and I don't remember who told me, but it might have been, um, it might have been Craig Riondo who said, well, you got to get Caleb Johnson to do it because the guy was a beast in the playoffs. Right. And I looked up his records and I go, 55, that's a career. <laughs> and he has that in, in the, the playoffs. So uh, wow. shout out to uh, our friend uh, Caleb Johnson, huge Fighting Hawk fan and, and a uh, clutch for the Fighting Sioux back in the day. Well, let's get to our 360 game preview it is brought to you by thunder lake lodge und versus sac state 12 p.m kickoff at the alara center and kelly we're going to go to you first and ask you right off the bat what are you watching in this game oh boy a lot of things a lot of things to look at in this one the paper's full um i think geez i got two things that are popping in my head you have to watch but offensively Let's start with the offense, Matt. I'm going to go first here. Um, offensively, inside running game. 
all I watched the entire Davis game. Oh, I watched them when they played Idaho earlier this year. They were playing a little better then, but um, they can be had on the inside. This is a game where you play. This is a big sky defense that's fast, physical. They like to play some man on the corner. They'll play some quarters too. I mean, and not it's not all man free like like the years when we were in the big sky. But there's some man going on out there. So you want to run inside. When they're gonna when they're gonna man up on the corners and maybe the safety. Sometimes the corners are manned up, safeties aren't. But um, when they're manned up, you want to run and you want to run anyway for the men- for the reasons we mentioned earlier. And Matt, you weren't on, but I said, hey, you know, I mean, I think you can. I'll let you talk about this a little bit now, Matt. But um, when Gavin Zebarth gets going on the inside, he's this year's Hoosman, and the entire building ignites. Whether it's fans, whether it's the defense waiting to get back on the field, or special teams, I mean, is it? I mean, is that safe to say when when we get when we get that inside game going with Zebarth, we're a completely different team. Hundred percent, and I glad I'm really glad that you brought up the inside running game because I had that in my notes too. Just looking at the UC Davis Sac State game from last week and looking at what UC Davis did. I'm like, how did they get such a big jump on Sacramento state uh, inside, inside zone running game, hundred percent. And with Gavin Zebarth, I think that's a winning ticket uh, to take out, at least get a jump on Sacramento state uh, early in the game. Uh, if you look at, I was looking at the play by play and every UC Davis run was, two yards, four yards, five yards inside zone. Uh, I don't think they lost yardage at all whenever UC Davis uh, attacked up the middle on the run game. So, so look at kind of going through the weeds here on, on, on last week's game that Sac State played against UC Davis, 100% run game. And then, of course, once you establish the run, that's just going to open up everything else and, and a fair man coverage. I mean, that's when it opens up our RPO and and uh, our zone option uh, game much, much better when we have a strong inside zone game. And quite honestly, that's every team that we play. When we have a strong inside zone game, we have a good chance of winning the ball game. Right. And that's, yeah, that's why I brought it up right away because they, they can be had on the inside. They got good players on the defensive line. It's just, I don't know. It just seems like things right now aren't flowing real well. I don't know. It's just, they kind of, you know, UND went through the same thing. They weren't flowing real well at the end of the year either. So I think that's the number one key. They, and I don't want Danny to wait a series to get it started. Like last time, do I have to tweet, run the ball up the middle again with all periods? Because (laughs) that first drive was the worst drive in the history of UND football. And I was like, what are we watching here? I mean, they just came out like they were still sleeping. You know, you know Matt, <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but I think Kelly is putting his UND football <laughs> Christmas card at risk. I'm not so sure the staff <laughs> is going to send him a Christmas card this year. You know, I, I think he just X'd himself off off it, right, like about three minutes ago. But uh, maybe even last week with his tweet of running the ball, but like, okay, well, we agree, but you're you're off the list anyway. So Right. Well, um, hey, as soon as I tweeted that, no less than two minutes later, 
we're running the ball up well, the middle and it's, it's five because, eight yards a pop because up on the screens up in the coach's box is a direct feed to the UND football 360 Twitter feed. That's what those guys are reading. It, and, and, and what they read after the two point conversion, when the question was why the F did we <laughs> run for two here? Um, they said, we're not going to do that again. So right. <laughs> now we're giving you, we're giving you a rough time. It's the all American, yeah. you know, that is the privilege of being an all American. You get to, you get to tweet <laughs> and you get to put your, coaching staff christmas card well, at risk every once in a while well i wasn't wrong so that's just i like to i like to recap and say i wasn't wrong i'll, I'll tell you if i'm wrong but i wasn't so like but um another thing that i'm looking at here um i wrote down in my notes you know rushing let's get back to the running game for und which obviously that has to be number one on the list montana had 305 yards rushing okay montana state had 328 yards rushing Northern Arizona, who we played, had 195 yards rushing. So there's chances to run the ball here. We don't need to overthink this thing. This is a playoff game. Things get tighter. Okay. Your playbook gets smaller. Okay. You do what you're best at and what will work that week. You come up with your game plan Sunday night and you implement it during the week and you tweak it maybe if you don't like something. But running the ball is number one. And then it's some, you know what, you know what we're going to see, Matt, which you're going to be surprised to hear me say this for the first time this year, the way Sac State plays, we're going to see downfield shots. We are going to see one-on-one downfield shots, kind of like, like that uh, third and one last week to Wes Elidor, you know, fades down the sideline, maybe skinny posts, you know, something, I don't know, whatever it would be, corner routes. I think, Matt, we're going to see. We're going to see the downfield shots we've been wanting all year. Well, it's about time, right? I mean, no better time to do that than the playoffs, <laughs> I guess. But week twelve, yeah. Well, we've been just we've been sandbagging the whole year to really do this, right. but uh, uh, but hundred percent. We got Eliador, and you know we don't have to go to Bo Belquist every time. We have a our receivers. We talked about it uh, in the in the preseason that. Our, we have a lot of talented kids that can run post routes and and seam routes right down the middle of the field. And w- once Gavin Zebarth gets running up the middle, uh, we're going to suck those guys in and because they're going to be worried about inside zone. So I think it's just going to open up. Every football is a game of flow, right? So so those downfield shots are going to come, especially in a game like this where uh, you know that big sky defense. You know, there's there we can it can be had. Uh, if you don't play it right, and I think I think there's an opportunity for UND uh, certainly to take some deep shots uh, and you know get get Wes uh, a couple more uh, big receptions. Uh, I think that now is the time to use a guy like that. And another thing to watch here, um, linebacker number four for them, Armand Bailey, very good player. He's good and um, very active, strong, big kid. Um, that'll be an interesting matchup because we're saying run inside. Okay, do we have, are we blocking well enough to where we can slip Cade Bowroot out and get on to Bailey, you know, occupy that first inside backer that's reading because he's a, he's a heck of a player for them, all-conference guy, and that'll be a matchup. If we can slip, if we're doing well enough and we can slip our guy out and get on him, things will be going very well for UND. Um, yeah, it's it, they give up about 26 a game 
Sac State. So they're not a dominant defense, but they're a typical athletic, very fast. You know, they look good. You know, good good defense like that, but not as strong on the D-line anymore. I think they've had an injury or two. One kid, I think, is playing Lynch. I think his name was good good player on the D-line. He's slowed down a little bit. 41, I believe. Um, yeah, it's it'll be interesting. I mean, there's points to be had. Let's put it this way, UND fans. There is points to be had. There's opportunities all over the place in this one. Well, let's let's turn to the Hawks defensive side. Um, we'll start with Kelly again. Kelly, what do you expect from the Sac State offense? We know they run two quarterbacks. We know they have a big, uh, strong back uh, in the backfield. What are you expecting the Hawk defense to face from the Hornets? Well, interesting dynamic last week. Um, I don't know if they, I don't know what they're doing with the quarterback thing, with the two quarterback thing. I don't know if Caden Bennett fell out of favor. I don't know what happened during the year, but all of a sudden he wasn't playing. And then he would play. Then he wouldn't play. I mean, there was no rhyme or reason. October 28th, I think, um, is when Carson Conklin came in, the freshman. So he came in and kind of, you know, started taking snaps from Caden Bennett. And he did well. You know, what do I get? Six touchdowns, two interceptions. But he's, you know, smaller, six foot, 190. Well, he got hurt last week. So he's playing the majority of that game against UC Davis. He gets hit late. I think it was third down. I rewatched it. Gets knocked down, but leaves the game kind of, call it wobbly, but he wasn't wobbly. I mean, it wasn't a headshot or anything. I think he did something to his head or like his jaw or something. There's something there because he was kind of tensed up and he never came back in and he wasn't standing on the sideline. So he's not standing on the sideline later in the game when the you know camera shot would look over there. And I'm like, that's interesting. So I don't know. I think in this one, we see a whole lot of Caden Bennett and that's not real great. I think I'd rather have Carson Conklin in the game because <laughs> Caden Bennett's their runner. So he's their, he's their running quarterback, 575 yards rushing on the year. They love the QB run game with him. Very, it's effective too. And threw for 1,951 yards, 15 touchdowns, seven interceptions. So he can make plays. We just saw what Tommy Rittenhouse did to us. We had trouble. We had trouble with that. He kept plays alive. We kept flushing them, kept flushing them. I think we had 10 quarterback hurries, zero sacks. Ooh, I don't know. This thing could be happening again this week. Um, yeah, I'm a little little bit worried. Just a little worried. You know, if they play Bennett all game, just because of his mobility, keeping plays alive, they have good receivers. Um, I don't know, Matt, your your thoughts. I mean, having said that, let's say, let's proceed with the idea that Caden Bennett's playing quarterback for them because he's he's their more experienced, better athlete quarterback. I mean, versus a freshman drop back passer, what does that what does that tell you we gotta do, Matt? Well Caden Bennett, well just just looking at last week's stats against UC Davis, uh he was their leading rusher uh ahead of their running back. So I mean that's their game. And just like you said, we are susceptible to the quarterback run game. Now we did pretty well. Uh, we did very well in India at, in our NDSU game, uh, shutting down cam. Uh, but we've been, we've had trouble with a running quarterback ever since then. So uh, our linebackers have to have their heads on the swivel this week. Our outside linebackers have to stay disciplined um, just because of that, 
uh, shotgun RPO look where Caden Bennett can take off at any time. And kind of like what we do where Tommy Schuster could take the ball and run it if it's open at any point in the game. Uh, and he has the, the, le- the ability to do that. So, or throw it. Right. So, um, so I think that we have to stay disciplined. We have to read our keys, uh, our linebackers. This is a game for you guys this week, because, uh, with all the dynamics that Sacramento state has on their offense, especially with Caden Bennett at quarterback, uh, he's the, he's their guy. And so if we can shut him down, if our linebackers can keep him contained, uh, get our, get our run fits, our, our guys up front have to do a good job taking on double teams, stuff like that. But, but our linebackers, this is a game for our linebackers to be able to leave their mark in the playoffs. Yeah. I, I got in my notes here. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what I got. I got quarterback run game again. I wrote it. I wrote it in here twice because it kept popping up. Um, you know what I'm seeing too is not as many. They run a lot of bubble screens, kind of like we do. A lot of swing screens, bubble screens, quick stuff. I don't see as many against us because we cover that stuff up pretty well. We spread out a little bit. We'll have a guy over that, a safety or the outside backer. We'll widen out. <clears throat> Excuse me. He'll be over that. So I don't see as many bubbles from them, but I do see some different downfield stuff. The way we've been had the tight end. Tight ends have hurt us lately. So I see them doing more downfield stuff, wide receiver, number zero, Carlos Hill, number eight, Jared Gibson. I mean, between the two of them, 73 catches for 1,200 yards, you know, an eight touchdown. So they're pretty good. They got, they got weapons on the outside. Um, it's, it's, I think it's going to be one, one inside again with um, their running back, Fulcher. He's a big boy. He, he can, he's a power bag. He can run. And uh, he, whenever you see that, you can't let him get going. You know, and we've done a good job lately. Last week, we did a good job on the inside. Jeffrey Griffin and the boys inside, they were all forming a wall, making the running back pitter-patter. you got to make those big running backs like that get the ball and think, what do they have to do? They have to go left, right. They have to change or chop their feet. They can't get it moving forward, and that's when that's when they start to plow, and it turns into a real issue as the game wears on. Well, let's take a look at Kelly and Matt's picks see who they've got this week and kelly and matt's picks are sponsored by rumors sports bar grill and casino billy's going to be open early uh this week kelly um it's a noon kickoff i believe they're going to be open at 10 a.m i think i saw a tweet yep that they're going to be open at 10 a.m so uh you can get your indoor tailgating in um you're going to be tired of the relatives from thanksgiving by that time anyway so get yourself out to uh, Rumors Sports Bar, Grill, and Casino. Uh, get your pregame in with Billy and the gang. <clears throat> Matt Nelson, you may be surprised to learn that you finished behind Kelly in the picks this year. <laughs> yeah, um, well, you know, it wasn't my best season, I guess. You know, you're, you were streaky because you did win two weeks in a row. You finished 2-8-1 and one in the regular season. Uh, Kelly finishes eight, two, and one. But Matt, you did advance to the playoffs because it's a two-guy league. So you are in the playoffs. You have advanced. Last week, Matt Nelson picked uh, both our football experts picked the Hawks. Matt said 28-21 Hawks. Kelly said 24-18 Hawks. Um, Matt 
picked a total of 49 points. Kelly, a total of 42. There were 43 points in the game with the 22-21 victory. Kelly wins. He wins the regular season. But, Matt, the second season has begun. You are eligible for a playoff pick. Who do you have in this one, and what will be the score? Well, this is where you want to bring your A game, so I'm happy to be in the playoffs. So this is where I can turn things around, right? So uh, so I'm looking to go undefeated in the playoffs against Kelly. So it doesn't matter what my record is before this. Um, you know, I, it, this is a great game for UND. I'm happy that we got the home game finally. Um, I don't know if you covered any of that previously, but um, it's good to see our guys at home for a playoff game give them some confidence and we do well in the Alaris. So my pick for this week is UND 34 Sacramento state 27. Matt Nelson says 34, 27 Hawks. Kelly, who do you have in this one? I like the matchup for UND. I like that they're at home. I think, uh, I like the energy. I like what I'm feeling. And uh, the home game made nothing to complain about this year. You know, we had no problem complaining in the past about stuff that happened to us on Selection Sunday. But this year, there's nothing to complain about. I think it went the way it was supposed to. UND's home, which they should be. Put in a healthy bid. Shout out to Bill Chaves. I want to. I put out the tweet last night for all of you. And we didn't cover this. And I want to cover it real quick. Bear with me here. Um. UND bid $119,425. Now that's a big bid. Okay, there. I doubt, you know, I'm sure NDSU's was up there higher than that as far as unseeded teams, but nobody else bid that number. That's a high number. And shout out to him. Now it's on us. I tweeted this too. I said, hey, it's fans. It's on us to go buy those tickets and get that money back to Bill so he doesn't have to scrounge and find and ask for, you know, people to cover it, whatever. So let's get out to the Alara Center, cover that number. UND, I know, bid. They had to put in their bids before the whole thing started. So um, second round, third round, fourth round, you put them all in at once, you know, because nobody knows what's going to happen. Um, I think UND came at 97500 for each of those rounds. Now, that's a fair bid, but the, that's a great bid for everyone except for the way our bracket worked out where we're, we're in the same bracket as NDSU. So and and Montana state. Yeah. And well, Montana state oh, they, got seed. They're a seed. So they're getting so a home would, game regardless. That's correct. My bad. So My if bad. NDSU would win too, and we would win too, obviously way down the line, but we're not going to beat them with 97, five. Now bill was not, he doesn't, he didn't know we were going to be matched up with NDSU as an unseated team in the same pod when he put in the bid. So, I mean, it's, you know, you can't be mad and say, well, you got to beat NDSU. Ah, no, he's beating everyone else in this field with 97.5. I'll tell you that much, except NDSU. So I wouldn't expect it to beat their number, but you never know. You never know what Matt Larson will do down there. But um, so, yeah, 119, 425. Great job by Bill Chaves. Um, we got the home game. Let's get the energy. I think it's going to be electric in there. I do. I think the city of Grand Forks is fired up. I think the fan base online, you can tell they're fired up. To have a home playoff game, it's our, geez, I mean, not counting the spring season, their first one since 2016. So that was Richmond. Since right? Richmond. Yeah. So um, I got I got UND winning this. I think it's going to go all right. <clears throat> I think they're going to be ready. 
I think they understand the gravity of the situation. What each play, you know, what each play is bigger. It's just magnified. Everything's magnified. I'm going UND 30, Sac State 20 in a methodical, you know, inside running game. I think we might give up a few plays because Sac State likes to make plays too. You know, they got good players, so they're going to they're gonna hit some things, but I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good game for UND for three phase. Let's call it a one. We always point to that and special teams. We've been very, very good at special teams lately. So let's call it another three phase effort. It's not going to be flawless, but I think it's going to be methodical and it'll be a fun day. Both our football experts pick the Hawks. Kelly goes 30-20 Hawks. Matt goes 34-27. I never picked the score, but I always predict what's going to happen in the game. Bo Belquist, two touchdown receptions in the silver helmets. In the silver helmets. No no logo on the side, though? Or are we going, are we putting the logo? We're going with the big Hawk logo. Big Hawk logo. Big Hawk yeah, okay. logo, like we had down at South Dakota. We're going to go back to the big yep. Hawk logo. But, hey, okay, let's We're talk. We're going to be in black. Let's talk uniforms quick before we, we let you go. We had a little bit of everything last week. Yeah. I am, Matt, you come in, I'll pitch it to you here, and I'll you can get your opinion. I am not a three-color guy. No, in no way. It looks like a softball uniform. Okay, no. <laughs> you you match up, you either go, you either go same two on top and then different pants, or you go helmet matches the pants, right? You know, green helmet, green pants, white top, you know, or, but now we'll be at home, so uh, green top. You know, whatever. You got to make two colors total is my point. I don't know, Matt. Or Shan- Shannon, let me. Shannon's got a point. I got a Matt. We'll I let think you go. we've given up on our greens. Okay. All and right. I don't have any inside knowledge, but I think one of the reasons is, um, well, one, the fans don't like the white caps on the shoulder pads. But I think we've given up on our greens. If you watch us in our greens, we have a lot of shoulder pad issues. I think our greens, I think we've just given up on them. Okay. Okay. I mean, and fans, this is hard hitting football right. insight that you're getting Listen right up. now. Listen up, because no. we're talking uniforms and it all starts with the <laughs> uniforms. And then Matt, we're going to get your take on this. I, I We just haven't seen our greens this year. I think we've given up on them. I say we're going to go in the business suits. We're going to go black um, with the silver helmets. Um, the the difference is, you know, that's where we came out with North Dakota State. We had the ND. Um, for you fans that are still discussing why the ND isn't on there, it's because we don't own the trademark. The University of Notre Dame owns the trademark. They allow us to wear it once a year, and they have to give us approval to wear it. So that's why it was on for the North Dakota State game. Then it had to come off. And, and we can talk all we want about who screwed that up and it, it goes back a long ways. It wasn't trademarked. Then when it got trademarked, Notre right. Dame beat us to it. But they do allow us to wear it once a year. So you're probably going to see the ND helmet once a year, but we can only do it once a year. Then we went without the logos. <clears throat> I happen to like the Big Hawk logo because it was our rabbits. You see the rabbits with the – right. they've been using the, the uh, cartoonish rabbit quite a bit. It's a good look yeah. for the rabbits. That's our – that's ours. You know, a um, lot of complaints about that. I happen to like it um, on the silver. But the point being, I think we come out, um, we're going to get Matt's take here, but we come out in the black business suits with the Big Hawk uh, logo like we like uh, we wore down at South Dakota. Matt, we, you got to get in on this because we are the yeah. fashion gods of football. Hard hitting. Well, 
Right. Yeah. I, I was just going to say that. Uh, should we bring our wives on to talk about the uh, <laughs> uniforms too? So, um, no. Yeah. Uniforms. You know, it's. I'm always indifferent about uniforms. It's like, well, it doesn't mean how, how well good you're going to play. But you know, if you if you listen to Jerry Rice back in the day, you know, if you look good, you play good, right? So. Um, you know, I like the black on black look for top and bottom being at home. I just think it looks sharp, uh, with the silver helmet. Now the big Hawk logo, I like the idea of it, but it just looked like we printed those off and just kind of stuck them on. And with our helmets, they kind of look a little, a little funny. That's my personal opinion. Now, if we kind of did a silhouette with just, and still saw the silver in it, similar to what the, you know, I, I don't want to emulate them too much, but the, the Jackrabbits did a good job with They did a very good job. And, yep. and having that, that rabbit on there, but it's silhouetted, right? So if we did right. something like that with the Hawk logo, maybe made it a little smaller um, and kind of silhouetted it with, uh, with the helmet. So you still saw the silver, but you saw like a silhouette of a, of a Hawk logo, I think that would look really sharp and a little bit better and left the, leave the white Hawk logo off it. But, um, but I, I like the, I like the logo. I think, I think it'd be fun to have a bigger logo on it. Um, but you know, it's a work in progress, I think so, but they tried it and, and I think there's room to improve on it, but, uh, um, yeah, I don't like the three, uh, color look. Right. It just seems like we, Oh, so-and-so forgot his green jersey, but we have right. one. So, so we all got it. It looked like Monday, did it look yeah. like Monday night softball? Did everybody have the black jersey? Yeah. Okay, put a, okay, put the black one on, all right, because, you know. Rec four. You know, softball. Nelly forgot his shirt. So. Bring your own <laughs> right. hat. Well, the one thing, right. you know, wrapping wrapping this up, ra- wrapping, um, you know, the uh, fashion uh, segment up, um, I'm somewhat indifferent. Uh, to the uniforms. The only thing I like is in our road uniforms, I like the all whites. Oh, yeah. The all whites Mm. are crisp and clean. We wore them on the blue turf at Boise. It was a very, very good look. Yeah, the all whites, very good. Um, So is it safe to say that the silver helmets are just because they're brand new, you know, they're the latest, I'm sure they're the, what they call it, flex speed, speed flex, whatever they call those things. Um, they're the latest helmet, brand new. I assume they've wore them every game now, right? So I no, we wore green Saturday. Saturday we had green. Yeah, we were back oh, in. Oh, I can. We were back in that. our green. We were yeah. in our. We were back in our green mat helmets. Saturday. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so because yeah. I'm, so I was thinking, well, the players must just love them, you know, yeah. so they don't really care about the combination. They just love wearing these helmets. Which, hey, if you feel more comfortable hey. and you want to win a game in those, right. great. You know what I find interesting, guys? When you watch film of practice on day by day. They must be able to choose whichever helmet they want because some of the guys, you know, they always have their covers on, yep. but some of the guys are in silver. Some of the guys are in green. <laughs> so they must be able to pick their own right. uh, helmet at practice and what have you. But, okay, we're, we're going to wrap this up. That, that we, just, we, we really went down a rabbit hole there. But um, one thing I do want to uh, touch on is 12 p.m. kickoff, folks. Um, we are getting you ready for a 12 p.m. kickoff, 11 a.m., is the pregame on the Fighting Hawks radio network. Jack Michaels, Mike Berg, Paul Ralston, always got to get a shout out to them. What a great broadcast team we have. No Midco 
uh, this week. So uh, it's an ESPN Plus game. So if you're looking for television, it's streaming. It's ESPN Plus. But tune in, Michaels, Berg, Ralston, 11 a.m. One more time around the room before we thank our sponsors and turn this thing uh, over to the podcast stream. Final thoughts, Matt Nelson. Well, I want revenge on the Coyotes, so we better bring our A game this weekend. So uh, I want to be down in Vermilion cheering our guys on. So um, do whatever it takes. Playoffs, you win, you're in. So uh, I have a good feeling about it. I like our matchups. Uh, I'm excited for our guys to get a first playoff win in a long time. So uh, it's it's time and. I like what our potential is for the playoffs. So uh, let's do this. Go Hawks. Final thoughts, Kelly Howe. Team, the team will do their job. Bill Chaves did his job. The Alaris Center will do their job. They'll have the game ready. Now it's on the fans. It's on us. Get there. Be loud. Get some drinks. Noon, nothing better than having a drink at noon, is there? I mean, geez, right? Noon, kickoff, get a Morgan Coke, grab a Coors Light, whatever. Get loud, get wild, have fun. I mean, it's, now it's just on, I honestly, the energy of the crowd can win this game. I do think that because the team's, the team's going to be ready. The work's put in. Now it's on us. Well, let's fill it up again. What else do you have to do on a Thanksgiving Saturday? And it's a double header. We got the uh, Bemidji State Beavers in town. Uh, back-to-back oh, yeah. nights hockey. for hockey. So uh, get get your family out to the Alaris Center. As Kelly says, uh, it's our it, it's our turn to do our part. Is that the 10th home weekend in a row for hockey? It's or, a I mean, lot. <laughs> We've got a great home every weekend. We have a really good hockey schedule. We have right. the Gophers Jeez. in town. We have, And they are the number one ranked University of North Dakota uh, hockey team. Number one. <laughs> so uh, hockey team's playing well. Let's get out and support um, fighting Hawk Athletics this weekend. We're going to thank our sponsors, Rumors Sports Bar, Grill and Casino, Development Homes Incorporated, Thunder Lake Lodge of Reamer, Minnesota, Kelly Howe Agency, Nodak Mutual Insurance, Interstate Industrial, and the Toasted Frog. UND Football 360 is recorded at the Three Run Single Media Studios in Rocking Horse Farm, Fargo. For more Fighting Hawks football coverage, visit undfootball360.com. Kickoff, 12 p.m., UND Sac State, first round of the FCS playoffs. For Kelly Howe and Matt Nelson, this is Shannon Schweiger. Folks, get to green on this weekend. Go Hawks.